0: You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Conference Room, welcome to another Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins. I'm Dave Griffiths. Big show on tap coming off the Colts' first win of the season, improving to 1-3 on the year. A little optimism in horseshoe headquarters moving forward. If you didn't listen to Mike and Joe break down that win from earlier this week, I encourage you to download and subscribe to us as well. Get us delivered to your podcast listening device week after week. The Colts are hoping to build on that win over Miami in a Monday night showdown with the Ravens. Always cool to see your hometown team broadcast on a national stage on ESPN throughout the country this week against the Ravens in Baltimore. We'll preview the matchup by providing an injury update from both teams. We'll break down some keys to the game, look at some stats from both teams throughout the year. We'll make some predictions, but first we start with the news, and that begins with a good note for the Colts and the special teams in particular as punter Rigoberto Sanchez is the AFC special teams player of the week for week four. First time in his career, the uh, former undrafted rookie has won the award, had four punts against the Dolphins For 200 yards, that's pretty solid, 50 yards a punt. His longest was 57, had two of them pinned inside the 20-yard line. Uh, Always nice to have gunners like Ashton Doolin down there uh, doing some dirty work down there and um, either forcing fumbles or hopping on fumbles or tackling guys uh, as soon as they catch the ball. But uh, uh, Rigo uh, has proven, chap over the years, his value to the Colts team. And in in games of field position and low-scoring games, I always go back to the game against the Giants two or three years ago where he almost single-handedly, he didn't single-handedly win the game, but he gave them the opportunity to do so by pinning the Giants inside their five-yard line. They had to punt it back to the Colts in the final three or four minutes of the game, and they were able to go down and drive and win the game since they were backed up so far. Their offense is so limited. So you can't discount at certain times in certain games what his value has meant to the team. And uh, he it showed up last week when he was able to like Miami's a limited offense anyway, but really limited them with what they could do when they were backed up so far in their own territory.
1: Yeah, it's kind of what they call the, the hidden yardage. You know, it, it's on the season. He's got five inside the twenty, and normally those are inside the ten. It's not like they it's at the eighteen or, or seventeen yard line, and no touchbacks. So it's it's you, you sort of take these guys for granted until you got a guy just bombing it in the end zone to try to get his gross average up, but his his net average is 42-6. That's pretty good. He's given up what is the punt returns. They've given up uh, 72 yards, 8 yards of return, but by and large he, he's, he's been as good as it gets. They've got again a, a, a quality kicking group with, with he and Blankenship and, and then Luke Rhodes as a snapper. It's, again, you take it for granted until you see teams changing punters and kickers every other month, so Kudos to the Colts. The Colts have also claimed former Buccaneers
0: defensive tackle, Khalil Davis, off of waivers this week. Uh, he was a sixth-round pick out of Nebraska just uh, last year, 2020. Uh, he was cut by the Bucks this week. Joe, they've had some serious secondary issues down there in Tampa and uh, uh, Khalil Davis, just the uh, the odd man out. I'll bet Tampa Bay probably wanted to bring him back on, onto their practice squad, but at the same time, they might have known that it would have been tough to get him there because the Colts, among other
2: teams, were, were interested in his services. The Colts had the best waiver claim, and they're bringing him in. And they picked him up. Yeah, the Buccaneers uh, had to get some men out there in the secondary. Anybody. One of them was Pierre Desir, former Colt. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Colts end up swooping up Buck, uh, Khalil Davis, and they weren't the only one who tried to get him.
0: ESPN's Field Yates reported that Davis was uh, claimed, put in a claim by uh, among the after the Colts rather by the Steelers, the uh, Tennessee Titans, and the uh, L.A. Chargers. Uh, as well, so four separate teams tried to tried to claim him there. A 6'1", 308 hundred eight pound defensive tackle ran a four seven five forty at the combine. Joe, of course, including some combine stats in here as he is known
2: to do. Just thought that was, that was a pretty good time for a <laughs> three hundred pounder.
0: You're right; it is a pretty good time. So the uh, the underwear Olympics had a, had a pretty good day for uh, for Khalil out there. And uh, that's So So it's, it love it when a plan comes together. The Colts drop the first couple games of the season so they can get a good waiver claim, chap, and there they, they go. They bring in a guy who could have an impact. Who knows later in the year?
1: You, you always go back to what Chris Ballard says. You can never have too many mm-hmm. offensive linemen, defensive linemen, and they've loaded up there. Now, I think when the time comes, I mean, need a roster spot, whether it's for Sam Ellinger or somebody, it'll probably be a defensive lineman. But they love to rotate those guys in there, and you, they, they play eight or nine a game. So uh, I, I kind of wish they'd find a, an edge pass rusher instead of, you know, what, what they continue to get. But uh, they'll always look to get better on the defensive line.
0: We'll touch on one news, uh, one news and note issue throughout the uh, NFL this week. Those were uh, two separate players who were kind of on the trading block, on the chopping block, and that is uh, former Dallas. Uh, now looks like he's headed to Green Bay. I don't know if this is official yet. Jalen Smith, um, is that official yet, Joe?
2: Uh, let me see. I know they agreed to a okay. deal. I'm not yeah. sure he's signed
1: I don't the think paperwork. he signed it yet. Yeah, yeah, I think well, Matt- I saw he, he they said he agreed to a $770,000 contract because okay. he's double dipping on the $7 million he's getting from, from the Dallas. Cowboys.
0: Right. So uh, he's gone from the Cowboys. And I, I think because Matt LaFleur was asked about it today, and he said he couldn't comment on it and said something, something to the effect that Smith is one of my favorite Notre Dame players or something like that. Probably so, hasn't
1: passed his physical yet.
0: Yeah, exactly. A nice wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But uh, Smith to uh, a linebacker goes from uh, the Cowboys to, uh, to the Packers. And uh, Stephon Gilmore, former cornerback of the New England Patriots, traded away to the uh, Carolina Panthers for a sixth-round pick. Now, now that that brings up several uh, points, of course, here in Colts Nation. That is, Mike should should the Colts or would the Colts have been interested in either of these two guys to join their team first and foremost?
1: Sure, they're, they're both the positions you need. Because as much as we talk about Okariki and and Leonard, beyond that, you know, it's not been a Heavily contributed position at a cornerback, yes. But the issue is again with with Jaden Smith. You could have afforded it at, with eight hundred thousand dollars, roughly. But what Joe? What did you see the uh, base salary of Stefan Gilmore was? It was
2: uh, over five
1: million. Well, I just checked. The Colts have one point five million in cap space. Yeah. So I, and not. this is not a team that tries to all of a sudden, you know, juggle their 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 books. <laughs> they, they and they could have done it. You can do it. But that would have been so much out of whack for what they what they normally do.
0: So that that's throw that out there that I know Colts fans would love to see some help in the sixth secondary run, in particular. Six round pick, no big deal. Exactly, and that also brings up another point. That's the fact that the Colts are trying to shot Marlon Mack right now, and uh, you, you see fools online saying that they they need to get a second round pick or else the GM should be fired. Well. That there's a reason why they're called fools online, and uh, there's no way the Colts are getting anything that If they that would high. get a
1: six for him, I would drive Marlon wherever the team is. You'd do backflips if they can get Correct. a
0: sixth-round pick for Marlon Mack after an all-pro to the level of Stefan Gilmore goes, uh, goes with a sixth-round pick. And there, there are some different variables in that, of course, as well, the salary being one of them, the very limited number of teams that had that type of cap space that could bring him in. And uh, so the Patriots get something in return before having to cut him. Uh, and getting nothing in return, so they'll take a sixth-round pick. They'll be happy with that. Maybe the Colts can get a conditional pick, sixth or seventh, who knows, from Marlon Mack, just looking at it through the lens of what uh, Gilmore was able to bring back. So uh, still to be determined on that front. Haven't heard anything from the Colts from uh, from Marlon Mack, and uh, hopefully uh, he, he finds a, a place where his talents can be... Uh, can be used uh, throughout the rest of the season. Yeah,
1: and we we talked last week. Th- this is one where it would work out best for both sides if, if it happened. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the culture is just going to cut Marlon. I, I don't think that's going to be the case because he does have value to them a- as a player. And you're just not going to – as much as it would benefit Marlon's career to go elsewhere at this point, you, you've got to look after your own interests as well. And I, th- I just don't see them letting him go because about the time you do that, again, either Hines or Taylor get – dinged up so he's got value to him I don't think they 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 were they were showcasing Marlon against Miami I really don't I will I tell you we may have talked about this too I although it was before the game but given Marlon Mack 10 carries I'm just not crazy about that because that means Naheem Hines got two yep I just I just don't know how when you have three quality players and Marlon Mack is, is number three in the group. As as much as you want to get him his chances, not at the expense of Taylor or Hines. I just don't like that. And
2: squeaky wheel.
1: Well yeah. But well, I don't know if that yeah, we'll see. But he got six of the carries in that last four minute drive, so it kind of skewed it. But I want more of Naheem Hines today, not less of Naheem Hines.
2: Maybe Mack could go for a player. I know they the Colts would have some work to do figuring out the salary, but Chicago's in need of a running back with uh, Montgomery out for at least four or five weeks, and they have a quarterback who's familiar with Frank Wright as the backup position continues to be in flux in Indianapolis. So maybe the Colts, instead of a draft pick, can find a player uh, that that team doesn't find as useful as the Colts might find.
0: Purely hypothetically, Joe, what would the salary of such a player be over there in Chicago? Uh, Was around tongues? $7 million or I something like that. I think so, like yeah. That. And again, yeah. if Marlon Mack is a
1: $2 million did, did salary. there at under the cap? Yes. Exactly. I prefaced were you, my were you statement.
0: T-
2: were you not paying attention? <laughs> I prefaced my statement with the Colts would have something to figure out. Yes. But as you said, Mike, it can be done.
1: That would take some bending over backwards to have happen. <laughs> We've not named names. Uh, but I wrote about this uh, yesterday. They're going to have decisions to make a quarterback, the Colts are, and not Carson Wentz but as the backup because to, uh, to elevate Brett Hundley to, to, to the backup guy this week, he's got to be active. You've already used the two elevations, which you're limited to. So if you bring him up, that's three quarterbacks active, and then you've got Sam Ellinger who's practicing, and I think they have to make a decision next week. Or the week after, I think it's the week after because okay. this is just one week. But since. So, so you can buy yourself time, but at some point you're going to have four quarterbacks who are healthy and ready to play, and you can't waste four roster spots on cor- quarterbacks. It, can't it's hard. It. It's hard to with three. Yeah, it stretches you with three. And I tell you, the only thing with, with it, 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 going by what they've done and what they've said, they believe Brett Hundley is their backup. You can buy it or whatever else. Roll your eyes. If that's the case, and that means you're going to activate Huntley this week so he can be your backup, so you're carrying three quarterbacks, and then when, when Ellinger's eligible in a week or two, what do you do with Eason? Do, do you do you risk, if that's the right word, I know people roll their eyes at that, do you risk waving him to bring him back on the practice squad? Will somebody take a flyer on a Jacob Eason? Probably. So that, that, that's going to show us volumes on what this team really, really believes in Jacob Beeson. If you expose him to waivers, then you really don't value him very much. You just don't because you know there's a chance you're going to lose him. But they've talked at the end of training camp, they were really high on Ellinger until he got hurt. So I'm really interested to see how this plays out below Carson Wentz.
0: Yeah, a- actions always speak louder than words. If Frank Reich says we like the progress Jacob Eason has made, well, that's nice. But then if you put if you put him to the waivers, then, uh, then like, exactly like you said, chap, the uh, what what the Colts do and what they say will kind of come at odds together, and i lean toward what is happening, what is done as reality a uh, hundred times out of a hundred. Not even. And, and, and if,
1: if if they would choose because of the r- makeup of the roster to put to, to try to put. Eason back on the practice squad, it speaks volumes on on their lack of real trust in at least his immediate future with this team.
0: Well, let's hope that the backup quarterback is just a thing we talk about, not a thing we see on the field as the Colts get set to take on the Ravens on Monday Night Football, broadcast on ESPN throughout the nation. Of course, Monday night at, I believe, kickoff 8.20 p.m., uh, practice reports, injury reports from uh, the Colts on Thursday uh, did not participate out there today. Braden Smith and Quiddy Pay, two players that Frank Reich specifically said would not be out on the field. Braden was doing some rehab work, so not involved in practice, but is technically out there on the field rehabbing. And uh, Quiddy Pay is still trying to get that hamstring right. Um, Frank Reich said the team is still optimistic with his rehab. Don't know exactly what that means. So it's- I mean, it, it means that they don't think he's going to be out for five more weeks. But uh, if it's one more week, if it's three more weeks, well, that's kind of leaving some some gray area there. But you would hope it's not three again, Chad, because he's a, a player that could go on injured reserve, much like Braden Smith could have gone on injured reserve and did not go on injured reserve um, with the ability to bring him back after three weeks. So uh, you, you're hoping that the pays is, is back much sooner rather than
1: later. Yeah, the way Frank talked about it today and we didn't follow up because it was at the end of his press conference, but it, it made it sound like maybe he practices tomorrow or, or Saturday uh, with, with, with it being on a Monday night, it gives you an extra time. Uh, it's just with hamstrings. You've just, you just don't mess with them you, because you do. And all of a sudden, then they are a month, but I got the impression there's a chance for Pay to play uh, Monday night. Uh, we'll get a better idea. Obviously Friday and Saturday, and on who practices. Braden Smith, I just, I just don't see him playing Monday night. I Neither mean, do I. Let's say he practices Friday, Saturday. It'll be his first two practices since uh, the opener. Uh, that that would be totally out of out of line with what these guys have done, and heaven knows they need help on the offensive line. They 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 do it was it was better at Miami, but pass protection was still spotty. Eric Fisher, I think he's, he's doing pretty good in, in run blocking, pass protection. There have been a handful of plays where he's just gotten beat. And and right tackle with Pryor and Davenport, it's just, you know, the, the, they're platooning there for a reason. It's, it's been a strange dynamic. It's But you don't do that because you've got two good backup right tackles. It's right. because you don't know what you have at backup right tackle. So they, they can spin it how they want, but they've got to get better. And, and, oh, by the way, Quentin Nelson. Is still out, and he's going to be out for two more games. This game and another game, at least. Yep. Let's keep in mind that the IR is a minimum of three games. Mm-hmm. So, and it really, it's kind of crazy how that went from Frank being very, very optimistic. I thought on Friday last week about Quentin trending, and we're not going to rule him out of the Baltimore game. And now, of a sudden, like the next day, he's on IR. Right. So that that's one reason, and I know it drives us crazy and fans crazy how uh, vague coaches are with injuries. We want to know facts and they're not going to tell us anything because why should they? But, uh, th- this is why a coach like Frank gives you as little as possible because when, when they, then when they don't meet the time frame that they sort of gave us, we kind of jump on them. But this offensive line, it's a mess. It's been a mess. And I, I, I hope they can kind of get this thing solidified up because, Baltimore's going to come at you. you know, Justin Houston, remember, remember him? I do. I was going to say the good news is the Ravens don't have a good defense. They never have. <laughs> no, they don't take the ball away. They don't <laughs> no, get to the never. quarterback. No, oh, no. They're not known for that. So that that's why I say I, the biggest concern has been, will be, and until they get it fixed as the offensive line. It's hard to judge anything. I thought the fact that Jonathan Taylor ran the way he did the last two weeks is very encouraging considering the way you're having to. Patch together this, this offensive line. You, you go, well, ahead, go ahead,
2: Joe. I'll interject with uh, some positive news. The athletics that keep Kiefer tweeted that both Kari Willis and Rocky Sin uh, were at practice today. Good. So that's good encouraging science. for the secondary.
0: How, how crazy is it that we are encouraged that Rocky Sin is back at practice? And, Probably and, been
1: their best corner so far.
0: Exactly. Right. Like, I'm going to have to stop talking like this. Like, from here on out, that's the last time I slander Rocky Sin or even uh, hint at slandering Rocky Sin because he's had a very good start to the season. Very good. Probably the best player in the secondary alongside Kenny Moore, uh, if you look at uh, the performance of everyone so far. So I thought
1: last week, Xavier Rhodes was awful. That, that's putting it very directly. They got back in the game sort of in the fourth quarter. He had those two. It was on the same series, wasn't it? Yep. Gave up a, lot, gave up a DPI and then a, another DPI that was wiped up because the the gain <laughs> was longer than the. Than the interference penalty. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, he, he's looked like the Xavier Rhodes that Minnesota cut in the first place.
0: Correct. Yep. The, the guy who's a, somehow a pro bowler that last season in Minnesota.
1: <laughs> Reputation and, is a great it, thing. It
0: is. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, uh, he needs to improve. Uh, no doubt about that. Um, l- l- we'll make a note on Carson Wentz as well, <laughs> saying that he's feeling better today, uh, as long as we're talking injuries. Uh, the, the more he plays or the more he continues to get further away from the actual uh, injury, the, the better it feels um and, and we could see that and you guys talked about it of course uh in in your breakdown of the game uh how it, it was night and day uh if he, I, if
1: he plays like that in tennessee they win I, I think they do i really do
0: tennessee is was nothing impressive in that game for sure and they're i mean they lose. derrick, to the henry, Jets, was. derrick henry was yeah, he because yes, that's well, derrick henry but. Yes, well, i was saying tennessee as a whole <laughs> as a whole like yes one person was impressive for sure
2: well can you imagine like a 20% healthier, Carson wins. They win that game. All of a sudden, we're sitting here, in the Colts are number one division because mm-hmm. Tennessee just lost to the yep. Jets. So yep. it, it's crazy how w- the smallest thing can, oh, yeah. can, can completely change And I, and I change do believe
1: everything. that that Jacksonville beats Tennessee this week. I, I, I hope so. I, I sh- yeah, They're it. rallying around. Rally their, around Urban Meyer. are risque, risque, risque coach. <laughs> I was going to say,
0: either they they ra- either they either rallied together or they destroyed Tennessee, or Tennessee absolutely – Unloads on them like forty-five, nothing, and Urban Meyer is
1: fired on Monday. And I can, I can see both scenarios. <laughs> exactly. I really can. <laughs> Either one could happen. That's All of a sudden, f- Houston's yeah. not the laughing stock right. of the division. Right? <laughs> yeah,
2: but he'll he'll not be getting on the team plane for a different reason. Ooh. Exactly.
1: Two weeks in a row. Ah, the plane's leaving. Uh, Urban, <laughs> you, you, the car is waiting. For I'll you be at here. the bar. Yes. <laughs>
2: oh,
0: Joe with the. With the dig, I love it. Uh, Ravens injury report for this week: They've been without All-Pro left tackle Ronnie Stanley. Uh, he's missed several weeks with an ankle injury. At the end of September, NFL Network reported that Stanley will continue to rehab for a couple of weeks with hopes of returning sooner rather than later. Um, so, hasn't been a couple of weeks. It's been about a week since then, or a week and a half.
2: No, he didn't practice today either. Right, he
0: did not practice today. Uh, neither did Alejandro Villanueva. Who has moved into left tackle in Stanley's place? He also left last Sunday's game with a knee injury. Jim Harbaugh, not Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, excuse me, says it's uh, nothing serious, just kind of sore. But again, that goes back to Chap, what you were saying about how, how coaches are very vague when it comes to injuries. And this has been just this has been under the microscope for me recently, more so than just the Colts. or the Pacers, when uh, when Rick Carlisle was asked preseason, like, are there any other injuries long term besides Edmund Subner and um, and T.J. Warren? He says nothing major, and then the next day you learn that Karis LeVert uh, has a back injury and he could miss the start of the season. Like, it's very much the devil is in the details when you're talking about injuries and what coaches say. If Coach Harbaugh says it's nothing serious, it's just kind of sore, well, what do you mean by nothing serious? Yeah, okay. It's not cancer. Like out,
1: he it, won't be out six weeks.
0: Yeah, it's it's not like Rigoberto Sanchez has cancer and he right. needs to have like <laughs> surgery on it. Like your level, of what's serious? Rick Carlisle's level? Oh, nothing major. Well, to me, like nothing major is nobody's going to miss any time. But that's not what that's not what he means. So y- you just have to you have to ask specific questions, and you know this over your time as a veteran reporter here. And I, I'm like, the more I get into it, the more I learn about it um, about. Uh, exactly how specific your questions need to be when it comes to injuries. That doesn't mean the coaches are going to tell you more specifics, but just asking the right questions in a pointed manner certainly matters. And you have to take with a grain of salt whatever the coach gives you, and you can't overreact or underreact to what they say. You have to take what they say very literally because they do paint with a very broad brush, very much so on purpose.
2: And Villanueva didn't practice today either. Uh, Harbaugh... Uh, added to that and said, we'll have to see about Monday. we we'll so.
0: have to see. Yeah. So the Ravens could be on their third-string left tackle. That'd be nice.
2: Third-string left tackle and second-string second string right, right tackle, tackle. Since Villanueva so. had to move and over Jackson's
1: there. been sacked 11 times in four games. Yeah, And this is the guy that's hard to bring down. He is. I think he's hard to protect mm-hmm. because of the way he moves around, but, he, right. but he's hard to bring down, and, uh, and we'll get into it. He, he mm-hmm. is, in my mind... The most unique quarterback in the league in the way they do things, so how they protect him and, and use him is, is critical. And I want to see how the Colts handle it this week.
2: On Jackson, he missed a couple practice days last week with sore back. He was out there today, so that back yeah, you must a sore be back from better.
0: lifting up your team all the time, yeah, carrying them, <laughs> yeah. carrying them, and running them down the field quite literally. We'll get to a little bit more a little Lamar talking a bit, but uh, one more injury note: Baltimore. We I think we mentioned it a couple weeks ago at the, on the podcast. They've lost their top two running backs. J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards both suffered season-ending knee injuries in the preseason. Uh, they've used kind of a committee back there. They've got Latavius Murray, the former New Orleans Saint and uh, L.A. Uh, Raider. I guess it was L.A. at the time or Oakland. Was it? Well, either way, he Oakland, might have been an Oakland Raider Oakland. even way back he's then. With Minnesota, yeah, he was yeah. Minnesota. So he's been uh, been around the block. Le'Veon Bell got uh, some action last year uh, with twenty snaps. So, uh, but before you say maybe Marlon Mack to the Ravens, they they seem to have a couple guys back there that they're really trying to trying to figure out who who's the best at. So maybe not exactly a candidate for for a trade for Marlon, but uh, but nevertheless certainly a team that has kind of bounced around with running backs and yeah, you got Lamar Jackson as a guy who can add a lot to that running game himself. So uh, not 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 they, they are encumbered but not completely uh, completely empty so to speak at at their their trying to run the ball. Uh, Colts one and three visiting the Ravens three and one. Uh, This year, the Ravens have had quite, quite the, um, uh, it's been very much noteworthy and uh, interesting to watch as a team. Uh, Had a uh, very, very narrow overtime loss to the Raiders on Monday Night Football week one. This is already their second time on Monday Night Football, by the way. How about that? the, uh, The Ravens to start the year in five weeks. Um, people want to see good young quarterbacks. They really do. I saw that, like the other day, seeing Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence on Thursday Night Football. That was fun. Well, it was. It was incredibly fun, but it's like the Bengals and the Jaguars. It's like, who's going to watch that? Well, a lot of people did. It was very too. highly rated. It was a good game. Yeah, it was throwing. People like to see good young quarterbacks
1: in this league.
2: That's the thing. If you're going to have bad teams in primetime, at least have them play another bad team so
1: it can be a close <laughs> game. But, but what it shows you across the league is. It, it, is it's all about that quarterback. It is, and, and you're you, you know you're we're talking two of the worst franchises over the last I don't know, 10, years. 15 years Maybe twenty years, yet they yet they've got this. It's got they've got the possibility because of that guy Burrow and Lawrence. So that's why it's pretty cool. And and you look across even all the young quarterbacks, and these these are two franchises going nowhere. Have mm-hmm. gone nowhere. But they have hope.
0: And the Ravens certainly do as well with Lamar Jackson. Uh, he's led them to an impressive win over the Chiefs, got a narrow win over the Lions, took a 66-yard Justin Tucker field goal as time expired. Uh, that, that man and Ford Field is something magical. And uh, well, normally he's just magical anyway, Justin Tucker. Um, and then last week, got a 23-7 to win over the previously undefeated Broncos, though. Uh, the 3-0 and Broncos had wins against teams that were combined 0-9 on the year. So that, and, uh, that was a little Bridgewater got court.
2: knocked out with a concussion, That too. as well.
0: So uh, b- both of those factors coming into play. I-, I think their win over the Chiefs is probably their most impressive of the year so far. And playing the Raiders really tight, they, they could have won that game. They just didn't at the end of it. Um, so they're-, they're obviously a very good team. Will be in contention for the AFC North. Um, and Lamar Jackson leads what's a top-10 offense uh, for the Ravens. They're fourth in yards gained. In the league, they're eighth in points, averaging better than 26 points per game. And third in the NFL in rushing, 163 yards per game. That is a really dangerous rushing attack. Lamar Jackson leads all quarterback in rush yards. He actually has more rushing yards than Jonathan Taylor, narrowly, but he still does. Uh, Mike, you touched on it earlier about his... His propensity to scramble makes him difficult for offensive linemen to block for. But, heck, he's different difficult for defensive linemen to chase down. So you kind of call it a wash in the difficulty for each team side of things. And you would much rather have a quarterback like Lamar, I think, than not have a quarterback like Lamar. He has shown in his time in the NFL, his MVP season a couple of years ago, that, that he's, he's a guy you need to game plan for. You need to be disciplined. That is the one word, I think, that the defensive line in particular needs to go into this game thinking about and harping on. Be disciplined in your rush lanes because the one time you're not, and we saw Ryan Tannehill beat the Colts with several bootlegs a couple weeks ago, getting out of the pocket, getting free. Lamar Jackson can do a whole lot more damage with his legs than Ryan Tannehill can.
1: That's the thing. They've they faced mobile quarterback Russell Wilson mm-hmm. and Tannehill. Uh, I won't put, won't put Bristet in that group at all. But but this is so unique because because they build their running game around him with the option game and the RPOs and... He he's in the middle of it, and, and you know, like I said, if you need the perspective, like you mentioned, he's outrushed Jonathan Taylor, you know. So it's not like, well, if if you lose track of him on in the passing game, he'll scramble. No, they'll run him. Yeah, they'll, purposely. They'll, he's got he's got forty two rushing attempts, and I'm sure there's some scrambles in there, but the, the primarily those are rushing attempts. What is it? Six point six yards a, uh, a carry, thirty one for a long, two touchdowns. And we talked to DeForest Buckner, and he harped on, harped on, discipline, discipline, do your job. And the hardest thing, I think, for a player is to do your job and trust that the guy next to you is going to do his job. Because sometimes you think, well, maybe if I help this guy out, it'll make us better. And then it doesn't because then you've left a gap where you were supposed to be. So I went back and looked. And if you remember the game last year, here against Baltimore, the first half might have been the best half of defense these guys have played. Mm-hmm. They held Baltimore. I've got the stat sheet here to like fifty-five total yards. It was the fewest yards and a half in Lamar Jackson start. Yep, and they had uh, ten carries for eighteen yards rushing in the first half, and then it got away from them because then the Baltimore came out and they really they really amped up their pass game which opened up the run game so you think you got this is one of those where you play sound for 45 out of 60 plays and those 15 you don't it just kills you
0: yeah you um the the funny thing to me is the colts as a team and as a defense for the past five years they need to build their defense through the draft and through free agency to stop deshaun watson You know, because he's in your division. You're going to play him twice a year. He's very similar to Lamar Jackson. The irony, of course, being that Deshaun Watson might not be in your division for too much longer. So the Colts as a defense should be very well-tuned. To facing mobile quarterbacks because that is something Chris Ballard has known he has had to do and he's been the the really prime rival you think at Darius the time. Leonard yeah
1: that's the kind of quarterback you want to chase the quarterback
0: exactly Darius and uh, Okereke I'm still not used to saying Bobby Okereke 58 probably say yeah o- Okereke we'll, we'll go with the NASCAR route. the 58 car exactly <laughs> whoever's running the 58 car <laughs> I love it um, but but that's probably a reason as to why the Colts were a team that was able to hold Lamar Jackson down a year ago. Of course, that led to the second half when uh, they were able to break out a little bit and uh, had the uh, the pass, uh, the interception that I'm only one of two people in the country who think it was an interception, me and the replay review uh, assistant, so... We're, we're okay being the only two right people in the country. That's fine. We're, we're able to, to stand on our island. You're both shaking your head at me, and that's fine. I can live with that. I'm allowed to be uh, on an island and be right. That's cool. No worries. But, um, but but yeah, this this Colts defense has proven that it can slow down Lamar Jackson. You just have to do it over 60 minutes, and that's a really tough thing to do. Um, when you look at the weapons that he has, you have Hollywood Brown. Uh, he's had a really great start to the year, Joe. He's had some good stats. He's had some good... Uh, good long gains. He's averaging 17 yards per catch. When you have a guy like Lamar who can shake off defenders and move around to the backfield, you expect to have a guy like this. The Colts had T.Y. Hilton with Andrew Luck forever. Hollywood Brown's kind of a very similar mold receiver as, as what I've seen him, a guy that can certainly beat you deep and uh, beat you badly if given enough time to do so.
2: Really is. And he had his moments in years past, but he's really seeming to put it together this year in year three. Um, 326 yards, three touchdowns, He's averaging 17 yards per catch, which is near the top of the league there. So, uh, Hollywood Brown's definitely someone they're going to have to keep an eye on and prevent from getting behind them in the secondary.
0: Then on the other side of the ball, the defense, Baltimore is always, always has a good defense this year, they're statistically not, not out of this world. They're kind of middle of the pack, 11th in points, 18th in yards, 10th in sacks, 14th in takeaways with four. They're averaging one takeaway per game. But it's certainly solid, as always. You mentioned Justin Houston earlier, Mike, and uh, Houston came out. Uh, he, he, he said this week, the former Colt, it's just another game. But as, uh, as our media colleague, George Bremer of the Harold uh, the Bolton in Anderson, uh, pointed out on Twitter, Houston said the exact same thing when the Colts played Kansas City.
1: And he smoked them. And then
0: what exactly happened in Kansas City? He went out and dominated. And you could see him pregame uh, leading the team in the huddle. Uh, there in Kansas City, how charged up he was, how amped up he was, and and you fear if you're a Colts fan if he plays. I, I don't think he practiced today. I don't know exactly why he was on the on the f- not uh, on the field.
2: Beat writer said it might have just been a veteran rest. Could day. have been,
0: yeah, very much could have been. Houston always had rest days here for sure, um, so it, it, it scares you. At least it scares me, uh, chap, to see uh, Houston on the other side of the field, given his history with the team. Not that I don't think he's better. But at the same time, they decide to look look elsewhere with younger guys, give them options when Houston still felt like and seems like he
1: has more left in the tank. Yeah, I never really thought he would come back here. I'd like right. to have seen him back here. Yeah. I, I would. I always would prefer to prefer to bank on guys who've done it as opposed to what the Colts have done is they're banking on guys who you hope will do it. But, you know, because Justin Houston was a late signee. Wasn't that late training camp? It after, was, yeah. Or after preseason games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he's that guy, and... The problem with Justin at this part of his career is there's going to be games where he just doesn't do much. And there's going to be games where he does quite a bit. We saw that last year. So he'll probably be going against Eric Fisher a lot, uh, a couple of former Chiefs. And we talked, I'm just I, I I'm waiting for Eric Fisher to be that guy again. Mm-hmm. And he just hasn't been yet. And and this is about the time. I think we all thought he would, he would get back in the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. You know, at the at the, the, the first right, of October, October, yeah. So he he needs to shore up because again, you're going to have Chris Reed again at left guard, and I think he played pretty well in in, in Q spot. And then right tackle is just a mess. So uh, I, I hope this isn't a game where all of a sudden the Ravens look like you know the 2000 Ravens, where they really got after people. But uh, the edge of the the edge of the protection is really going to be under siege this week and yeah you, and
2: they're you know they got 10 sacks on the year they've kind of really spread it out there's no one guy leading them but um oh zero sacks for Penn State this year their yeah. first round pick he's already got two now for the Ravens Jason so. Alley as I dubbed him he's got <laughs>
0: two sacks already
2: two sacks already so uh those those traits seem to have carried over pretty go. well
0: hey hey you go on a team like Baltimore a team that can coach you up that's that's a perfect spot for him to be honest. So so good for him. And uh, if, if I get to eat my words, then I get to eat my words. That's fine. Uh, good Congratulations to Jason Owe. He has earned the right for me to pronounce his last name correctly after two sacks early on this season. Let's get to the keys to the game as the Colts face the Ravens Monday Night Football, ESPN audience across the country. Number one, says Joe Hopkins defense got to limit the big plays. It's something we just kind of touched on talking about Hollywood Brown, but make them, make them march down the field and don't let Brown beat you. Don't, uh, don't give up those chunks and, uh, and see what, see if they can be disciplined enough because they don't have the best running game. Even if Lamar Jackson can beat you with his legs, it's hard to grind out a run game with the offense that they have because they just don't have the running backs, the consistent guys back there to do it. They can hit you for some chunks, but to ask them to do it over an entire drive for multiple times a game might be a lot to ask of them. That's what you want, the, if you're the Colts, you want to force them to do.
2: Well, and also the passing game. I mean, Lamar's not a dink and dunker. He's not going to, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts you like some other quarterbacks will in the league. Um, they did a really good job of this last year. The uh, longest pass um, against for the Ravens last year was just 21 yards, and the longest run was just nine yards. Um, currently, Baltimore leads the league in twenty-plus yard plays with twenty-six, and their seven twenty-plus yard runs are almost double the next closest team. Wow! Uh, I think Dallas has four, so Baltimore is doing a really good job of getting those big splash plays right now. And the Colts need to limit that and make them methodically drive down the field. Chap, that's
0: something. The, I mean, the Colts' offensive staff was just saying, Frank Reich was saying, we need more chunk plays. The Ravens have them have them in in bunches this year.
1: Well, they're averaging fourteen point four per catch. And, you know, Hollywood Brown, yes, 17-2, but Andrews is 14-1 as a tight end. That's crazy. Watkins is 16-1. You know, Proche is 17-2. They've got f- four guys averaging 14-plus. Mm-hmm. And they they do not, and conduct, now they can, but Jackson, he's big play in every aspect of it. And we've seen the Colts susceptible to big plays they, whether it's, they say there's not mis- miscommunication, but <laughs> sure looks like it yeah it does to me
0: too well, what a big test for the secondary this week i mean it, it, you'd sure like to have rocky seen back in the lineup you'd like to have kari willis back in the lineup um i thought uh Cedeno performed pretty well I, I mean i didn't see him running backwards at somebody going downfield last week and julian blackman stepped up too um kenny moore has had a good week recently but like you, you look at all of them like xavier rhodes needs to be better the back end needs to be better than what we've seen earlier this year if they want to limit what Baltimore is one of their
1: strengths. And, and that's where again the pass rush comes into it. Yeah, we talked yeah, to a good point. Uh, Buck again today and he said, Boy, you know, we, we need to get that kind of performance out of Terray, the two sacks. Cause, you know, the, the less time you give the quarterback, obviously, I mean, this is this is not football one rocket science. Here. It's it's limit the time so that these guys aren't trying to cover these guys for four or five seconds. And, uh, and Jackson is going to buy time because that's who he is. Mm-hmm. And the problem is some quarterbacks buy time to run, and he buys time to do both. Because just just when you break down and you think you've either got him or whatever, he he, he breaks out and hurts you. But this is, this is sort of a bad matchup because the Colts have not been sound on the back end. And they've let some – I think the run game is getting better, the run defense. But they still give up those one or two during a game that just – Cripple you, and if that happens on Monday night, it'll be it'll be a long game.
0: I also remember the play Joe the other year against the, uh, the Ravens, where Al-Kadeen Muhammad chased down uh, Lamar Jackson. I don't know if that comes to your mind. It comes to mind when I think of the these two teams seeing each other. So, I mean, Kamoko, <laughs> like Chap mentioned, Kamoko Ture last week was great. Your boy Kamoko, just um, eight, two sacks. But I mean, this is going to have to be, of course, a, a collective effort from the defensive line. And uh, Muhammad's guy we don't talk about too often. He's not really the flashy tackle you he in the makes, backfield. He, he, does. he does make a couple plays per game, and that one against Lamar Jackson is one, like I said, that sticks out. He has the athletic ability to do that, and so he's a guy that you love to have, I think, on the defensive line, certainly in your rotation. He's been pretty solid as a starter this year.
2: And Quiddy Pay's health could be a big factor because he's probably their most athletic edge rusher with his speed, his uh, size, change of direction. Size, he's got yeah. the size as well, but the change of direction ability – um, you know, not that any defensive end is going to be able to run with Lamar Jackson, but he's, he's the most athletic of their edge rushers.
1: And then I wonder how much they will try to spy Jackson with, with Darius Leonard. I tried to watch the game last year. But it's just hard to tell how much they, they they use him as a spy, but I know on, or on, on Jackson's 13 rushes, scrambles, whatever you want to call them, Leonard was a tackler like on six of them. Uh, and is Leonard healthy enough to be that guy? I, I, I don't know. That's a good question. And whoever your spy is, he better get the job done. Yep. Because you've got the DBs and, and other linebackers occupied elsewhere, and if that spy guy lets, lets him get out, there's a lot of room between him and the next defender.
0: It's it's If you're the coaching staff, like, do you – do you try to maybe have O'Karake spy and have Darius go elsewhere because Darius is hurt? Like I don't know if you can really get into that that game, chap. Because if, if you're healthy enough to be out there, you're healthy that's enough what, to do your job, correct. right? Yeah, that, that that's what Darius will tell you too. Like it,
2: there, there's, I don't think Darius would allow that to happen. He he'd, say, he'd right. say I'm taking Lamar, Jack. right? Yeah,
0: I I and and I agree. I don't think that's something that that the coaching staff or Darius would go with. Like if he's out there, he's the spy in in those situations. So. Um, they, so it's just, there, there's no mercy, man. There There's no there's no feeling sorry for you if you're not at 100%. And Darius has not looked 100% this year. He looked better. He looked think, better at Miami. In Miami, for yeah. sure. Um, hopefully, like Carson Wentz, he continues to take steps forward. And uh, and certainly needs him to be closer to 100% here against Lamar.
2: And there was that play last week where Darius nearly had the interception. And you just wonder, if if the ankle was 100%, does he get there just a split second faster? It's mm-hmm. It's plays like that that can totally turn the game around where that last 10% on your ankle makes a difference.
0: On the other side of the ball, the Colts need to keep that run game going. Jonathan Taylor did pretty darn well down in Miami. Over the last two weeks in particular, he's averaged six yards per carry. really had a good game against Tennessee, too. Um, just wasn't given the ball in the second half as the Titans really flooded the box uh, pre-snap and forced Carson Wentz to check out into... Um, and, and we discussed that last week. Uh, the the whole uh, not not running the ball uh, as much as fans would have liked them.
1: Well, and to and see. sixteen carries is not enough for Jonathan Taylor. No, and it's, and you're it's right. not. You're right. I'm, I'm not saying thirty like a Derrick Henry, but twenty two, twenty three, and uh-huh. then this is a game too where I think yes, you've got to run the ball. You've got to keep. You you do have to limit touches for for the Ravens, but you need to get Naheem Hines. This is kind of game where Hines could really be. Well, he should be fresh. He mm-hmm. had four touches. Mm-hmm. Five if you want to, four kind of and a half if you want to cut the muff punt. But, but I think this is one where you get him on the edge and he can do so many things out of the backfield. So I, this is a game where I think Hines and Taylor can be a really good tandem back there. Great yeah. stat
0: here from you, Joe, that the Colts have never lost when Taylor rushes for 100 yards.
2: Yeah, and they, the Colts have yet to give Taylor 20 carries in a game this year. I think the most is 17 against Seattle. So they haven't really fed him. Uh, as their the feature back that he can be.
0: That's an interesting stat. I think if you told me that before the season, that four weeks in, Jonathan Taylor wouldn't have 20 carries in the game, Mike, I, I would have certainly been surprised at that stat.
1: Yeah, and Derrick Henry's on pace for 480. In four, just the first 80. half. No, that's, no, that's, that's crazy. Absolutely ludicrous. But no, we've talked to Frank, and I've written about it, is 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 their baseline is 20 carries for Taylor, and then five for Hines, and five for Mack. And I, I, I would argue that 20, and then Eight and two. Yeah. Uh, But they've got to get him. Again, he's been 6.4 the last two games. So you've got to get him the ball. But that's on, what, 26 carries Mm -hmm. in in, in two games. He needs more. Uh, And I went back and looked. This was the game last year where he sort of began to disappear. Remember he had the big fumble on the sidelines that they returned for a touchdown that Mm -hmm. gave him their only life in the first half. Yep. And then he sort of had to fight his way back. But I think he's proven that that g- g- given the ball enough in this line it is pass or it, it is run blocking well enough I think he can do uh, do wonders at keeping you in a game and, and making a, again g- he's the kind of guy you're getting the ball 20 times he's gonna have those four plays where he's gonna go 38 23 or whatever so you got to get in Baltimore, ball more. And, and
0: the running game certainly helps out your
1: quarterback, and Carson
0: Wentz is, uh, can, can really do some serious damage with a good play-action game, a good RPO game. It's a stat that that I brought up this past offseason after the Colts signed, or after the Colts trade for him, that his MVP year back in 2017 was the year the Philadelphia Eagles were top five in the NFL in rushing. Like, they had a great rushing attack that year. They had Jay Ajayi, they had LeGarrette Blunt. Uh, they had uh Corey Clemens like a, a without good, a thousand yard rusher. Exactly, no thousand yard rusher among that group, but they really spread it out between those guys and Carson could do a little bit more damage with his legs then than I think he can do or wants to do now, or certainly than the Colts want him to do right now. But but he like he, it's a special talent. I, I like it a uh, running game helps any quarterback, but but Carson I think takes it to another level in what he can do with a good running game just because of uh his ability to to bootleg, to to um to, to be able to move well, like not every quarterback moves well, and I think that's that's really important in the play action game. You can get set after uh, after your fake. You can turn around, you can see the field quickly and, and immediately and kind of be be ready to throw the ball and not kind of have a hitch in your giddy up, you know, as you're trying to get set to throw. and Carson doesn't have that when he's healthy, Carson doesn't have that. I'll throw that in as as a uh, as a qualifier, but uh, but he can do he can do really well when he's asked to do limited work. Um, and having having the running game be the uh, the engine that drives the bus, and ask him to to hit a couple down the field, and and we saw again. I'm sure you guys talked about. You did talk about this on Monday, and throwing the ball down the field. You got those passes, the deep ball to Pascal, the one to uh, Paris that probably should have been caught. It was certainly a tough play, but it was one that should have been caught. But you got to you're to make, you gotta make the exactly yeah,
2: yeah. Where has Paris been this man, year? I mean, I,
0: it's... Man, I know, I know, Paris. It's been disappointing. Guy. Like I I. I wanted to see more from him, and I hope to see more from him. We haven't seen a lot of him. And, and like, part of me feels bad for him because of his injury history. It's just been a lot of unfortunate work. And the fact that other guys that were taken in that draft class, like D.K. Metcalf, like Terry McLaurin, have done so, so well who were taken after him, like, it just puts him further under the microscope and kind of puts more pressure on him. So it's something that he just has to step up to, and he he has to embrace. He has to live with it. He's not getting the opportunities right now. He's just not. Um, he has to take advantage of every opportunity that comes his way if he really wants to um, kind of shed that stigma of being a little bit of a bust right now. I'm, I'm not going to say that he is yet. Yeah, that that would I think be premature. But but yeah, I've been a little puzzled by by his usage, and nevertheless, he does need to take advantage better advantage of the opportunities that come his way.
1: Yeah, I was looking at this, and it's it's worth his story. I I think after a month, it's it's tough to you, you shouldn't make you know global reactions. But right now Pittman and Pascal 59 targets 38 catches the rest of the receivers 16 and nine 16 targets for the other receivers not named Pascal and in Pittman I, I don't know whether that's just a, a function of the running backs being more involved which they are the offensive line being dinged up to, to make shorter passes and, the, and for the but but right now you've got two receivers doing all the work. And in three games, Paris Campbell's had 10 targets and five catches. I, I, he, he basically he, got that in week one last year. Yes, he, he's either not getting open, which I, I, it's hard to break down film enough for that, or they're simply not directing the ball enough to him. He's had a couple. I thought the, that was a drop. He had the one uh, the previous week at Tennessee where it was a low ball that they ruled an incompletion. But you, when you're getting so few opportunities, you just gotta you gotta make all of them. And but but a lot of it is on the coaching staff. They've got to get him more involved.
2: Yeah, on am kind of I I don't even think that I've seen them throw a screen pass to Paris they Campbell haven't. or anything like that. And so. I expected
1: that against the
0: Titans when Carson Wentz was on uh, one quarter of an ankle. Yeah, no, it's combined. it's
2: confusing. I don't know if this is the coaching staff trying to protect him, if he's still not quite right. I don't know what the deal is. But if you're
1: out there, you, you go back to the same thing. If, yep. if that's the case, then he shouldn't be out there. And I don't yep. I don't think that's the case. Now, if I'm Paris, I would be very hesitant on those jet sweeps because my knee would say, "No, no, we're not doing that again." KO. Like, hmm. but but this is you, you can't spend all off season in training camp telling us how well he's looked and this is you know we really have big hopes and then you get in the ball 10 times 10 targets in three games yeah that's yeah, not enough from
0: from my perspective but last uh key to the game uh courtesy of uh our joe hopkins follow him at roto street joe you can follow mike chapel at mchapel 51 follow me at dave g underscore on twitter and follow us as a whole at colt's blue zone get updated with colt news and notes throughout the week Final key to the game, Colts-Ravens finish drives in the end zone. Heading into last week, the Colts had scored touchdowns on just four of their 11 red zone possessions. Much better last week, two of three, uh, not counting the kneel down uh, at the end. They uh, got in the position,
2: but weren't trying to score, obviously. Right.
0: Uh, So that's, yeah, it's an important qualifier again. They're still 30th in the league, I believe. It's still not good. And and I, I think that... I mean, in the league, that still might go down as two for four, you know, since they made it in the red zone. Yeah, yeah. So it's fifty percent is not a good one. Doesn't doesn't exactly uh, improve. It doesn't. If fifty percent improves your touchdown percentage in the red zone, it did. It did. Exactly. (laughs) That's not great. That's not a great thing to thing to have. But um, the Colts did settle for two field goals after turnovers drives that started started in Miami's red zone on the eight. Well, one in the red zone on the eighteen, the other one on the thirty. Those are, those are gut punches, uh, chap, when you get get the ball in, in enemy territory. And, and, it's a, it's a, it's to a, to a lift for the defense. Yeah, totally. It really is. Yeah. Um, and the Colts' defense does have eight takeaways. That's good enough for fourth in the league. So they're they're getting the ball a reasonable amount, maybe not on pace for the 40 that they want.
1: Um, but uh, and, and, and this is the league's number eight defense right now. Yeah, how about the Colts? that? How about that? It's how about amazing by holding Miami to whatever it was. Um, that certainly helps. Right. Puts you in a much better light. How did the... How did Miami ever take the Raiders into overtime? I, I I can't get over that. I have no idea. That was Baltimore. Miami took the Raiders in the overtime. They did? Yeah, oh. week, the
0: week right before uh, they played the Colts, week three.
2: Oh, I must have missed that. That, one. that was
1: Brissett's safety. Remember the safety game where he threw a completion for a safety? Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: So That, I, that I, takes talent. It's, throw a it's, completion when, for a safety
1: when it's the only time ever in the history of the NFL <laughs> that there's a completed pass, <laughs> failing a, a penalty, a completed pass for a safety. I mean, mm-hmm. plays, so yeah, sure, there have been a lot of games played and a lot of plays. So yeah, there have been a
2: lot of games played. Sets my chapel. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you guys. It. Think this week, uh, Wince finally hits Michael Pittman Jr. in the end zone. 'Cause I'm waiting on what it. What about Big Mo, man? Mo Alley. You'd, it's it's hard not
0: to give him the ball after seeing what he can do. He, got he did. That's true. I love seeing him in the end zone, man, and in the red zone. I just do. Like like watching Eric Ebron a couple years ago with Andrew Luck throwing him the ball was truly special. You can look at a guy and realize his talent there, realize like and and all that before everything went way downhill with Ebron, that one year was truly special. You got to see a guy at the peak of his talent and another guy at the peak of his talent really come together and produce something that was unique, unique in NFL, in, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And Mo Alley can be a guy that... that that really can mesh with another quarterback. And Carson's finding uh, finding him a little bit this year. Um, and he's he's proving his worth. He's proving his um, his rapport with Carson Wentz a little bit. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see if that increases, because I know Jack Doyle's been injured a little bit. They're not using him quite as much as they yeah, have in years past. he makes one of the
1: big plays yeah. in that game. Yeah. Uh, a
0: third and whatever it was, and they go to Jack. Yep, Just that's true. Throw it up. That was like somebody described it as a 500 ball. You know, the old game 500 right. where you throw up. the. Yeah, That's what it was like. And Jack, hey, Jack went up, caught it. And I think he was interfered with on that play, too. Yes. It didn't matter. Jack Doyle, old uh, yep. 8.7 yards per catch. Jack Doyle he probably he had had, like 20-something yeah, on that play. Yeah, take that, right? We're going to have to call him 20 yards per catch. Jack Doyle <laughs> if he continues at that level. But anyway, let's go to predictions for this week. FanDuel has the Colts' seven-point underdogs in Baltimore. Over under for the game set at 45 and a half. So you're looking at like a 26 to 19, something around there. Score-ish uh, is what uh, FanDuel is predicting. Um, I'll start us off, Joe, you go next, and then Chapel finishes off with predictions. But um, I'm definitely, I would favor, like when you're looking at the line, I, I like the Colts better than plus seven in this game um i don't know maybe i'm being taken prisoner of the moment after uh, beating a, a bad dolphins team last week but i think a little um a little momentum certainly helps a healthier carson wentz absolutely helps and um seeing uh jonathan taylor at least get a little something going over the last two weeks not just one week but two weeks averaging six yards per carry uh just has me a little bit more optimistic about the colts chances so seven i think is a big number I would be certainly on the Colts there. I think they have a chance to win this game. I really do. If they can, that'd be great. After the first five games, if you're two and three, I think we talked. We said two and three. That'd be fine. Right. You can. We can. We can live with two and three. As bad as the start of the year was with zero and three, you'd be incredibly happy at the start of the year saying we're two and three. Well, not incredibly happy. You'd be acceptable saying two and three through through the first five weeks of the season. But uh, I am going to pick the the Ravens. All, all, All that being said. I think it's just going to be tough to go on the road. Miami, uh, not Miami, sorry. Baltimore is 14-1 and in their primetime uh, games um, under over the last 15. I don't know if that's an under John Harbaugh stat, but I, I saw it, uh, that they're 14-1. I bet it is as long yeah. as he's been there. Yeah, uh, in their last 15 night primetime uh, national TV-type games. So they're just tough to beat in this in these scenarios. Um, their loss, of course, being uh, earlier this year, though, to, uh, to the Raiders in, in overtime. Uh, so I, I, I do lean toward the Ravens. I think something like a um, I think uh, I think a twenty four twenty one something in that range, maybe a twenty one seventeen. One of those type of ball games it, it is in the cards, but uh, I would not be surprised at all if the Colts go and win this game. Uh, especially if Carson Wentz appears more healthy and is able to hit, like you said, Joe, uh, Pitt on a couple of uh, uh, passes. Get him in the end zone. See if he can do it. Your boy. Getting, getting I, I, I've been points. waiting
2: on it. He's right there. I, I'm going to go with the Colts in this one. I think they're going to continue to build on this momentum. I think, you know, of all the 0-3 teams, and we listed them a couple weeks ago, the Colts are much better football roster than an 0-3 team. Um, and I think Pitt, they're, they're going to hit Pittman, and they're just going to start connecting on the things that they've been missing uh, and I think they're going to get a couple turnovers in this game, too, um, and win the turnover battle, which is really going to give them the, those extra opportunities that they're going to need in this one. So I'm going to go Colts 27-24. to 24. I'm not angry at that. I like it.
1: But I can't go with it. <laughs> I'm 24-19. I had 24-16, and I'm going to 24-19 Baltimore.
2: So we all picked Baltimore to score 24 points. Okay. We did. How about that? So, but
1: I, 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 just, I just think that Jackson is going to make those six or seven plays that you have no answer for. Uh, it, there's nothing more deflating than, than calling a pretty good defensive player, defensive series, and one guy just beats you because he's that darn good. Uh, the Colts have done an extremely good job of ball security. What is it, four take or four turnovers? I think so, yeah. And, and one's a, one, one was a, the, the muff punt. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I'm not saying they're on borrowed time there, but I just think that Baltimore has a few more playmakers at key positions, primarily quarterback, that they're going to make enough plays. And I want to see Justin Tucker kick three or four times. I, I It's fun to watch kickers kick like that. Just see it come off his foot. Because back in the day when Vinatieri was in his prime, I mean prime. Remember, and I tell you what, they need to they need to show that fifteen to six Colts game playoff over Baltimore when it was all Vinatieri and Mm -hmm. run and defense. Uh, But I just don't see the Colts making enough plays to get get it done Monday night.
0: Certainly, be fun if they could. Monday Night Football, ESPN, national audience, eight twenty. And you guys will—you guys planning to do something on Tuesday yeah, to wrap we'll things up? Yeah,
2: do a recap up. on Tuesday. Cool.
0: So we'll push that recap back next week. We'll still have our, our usual Thursday uh, discussion, I'm sure, right here. And uh, we'll get you a couple more uh, Colts Blue Zone podcast uh, to come, of course, as we look forward into the future. But I'm getting way ahead of myself right now. That will wrap up this edition of the Colts Blue Zone podcast. We thank you for listening. Follow us again on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone for news and notes throughout the week. And be sure to subscribe. Get us delivered to your podcast listening device as soon as we drop. Thanks for listening. For Joe Hopkins and Mike Chapel, I'm Dave Griffiths. We will see you next time.